0: Welcome. Here at The Bridge Church, we exist to help you connect to God, grow with family, and serve our city. We hope today's message will allow you to grow deeper in your connection to God. Enjoy the message. Father, it is your presence. It's your presence that makes the difference in this place, God. Father, we have come here this afternoon to get a little bit closer to you than we were before, God. And we ask you, we ask you, God, today as we sing songs and as we listen to words, God, we, we pray that this would not just be a collection of musicians and singers and a crowd, that this would not be ideas and thoughts jumping from a page and the words of a man, but all collectively, God. What we've come here today is an encounter with the living God. That's what we need is an encounter. We don't need expression or an explanation. We need an encounter with the living God. And so God, meet us. We want this to be your meeting place where we bow low to your demands and we Listen to the way you think life should go. We lay down before you, God. We research your pathways. and We long to hear from you. And there is nothing a man can do to change the heart of men. We can merely inspire and we can charge up. But we cannot change lives. We need the creator God, the living God, the holy God to change lives. So We come today with the expectation, God, of hearing from you. And so we bow our lives before you. We rest in your presence. We ask that you speak. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You can be seated. You can be seated. Nehemiah, Nehemiah had a burden. Nehemiah was a man who had a regular job, was not eloquent in speech, did not have great wisdom, was not an engineer, did not have some supreme skill. If anything, Nehemiah was merely a cupbearer, tasting wine for the king much like a butler even, Nehemiah was not skilled. And yet in Nehemiah, chapter one, verse 11, here he is before the king. After having heard his brothers come and tell him, all of Jerusalem's walls are down. My hometown is in ruins. My ancestors still live in poverty and devastation. And Jerusalem was a place that was a reproach to all other cities. Jerusalem was a place that had been devastated. And so here is Nehemiah. He's before the king. And in verse 11, he prays and he says, Give your servant success today. Pause just for a second. Do we have enough room? We can we can uh, make some room up here in the front, if need be. Come on up. We'll make room, and if we need to get uh, some chairs, Rich, if we might need to get some extra chairs, we're good with chairs. Okay. Nehemiah, in verse eleven, he says, "Give your servant success today." and grant him compassion in the presence of this man. And he says, at the time, I was the king's cupbearer. He says, give me success today. I have this vision and this burden to change my hometown. I wanna see walls come back in my hometown. I don't wanna see it be devastated in the way it is. So." Use me, pick me, and Nehemiah prays that God would give him much success. You see, when God gives you a vision, when he gives you a clarified sense of what a preferred future could look like, a vision is nothing more of having a clear mental picture of what should be but it is fueled by the conviction of what could be. God, God, giving you a clear picture in your mind. And yet, there's something that you must see. Look, Go back to verse 11. (laughs) He says, give your servant success today. I want the vision to come to fruition today. I'm here before this king and Nehemiah is a slave. He he can't do anything except pour wine for a king. So he needs to be released and he needs resources and he's got none of that, but he knows there is a king with everything he needs. So he says, I want that today. Well, in chapter one, in the very first verse, this is somewhat of a memoir for Nehemiah. And in this memoir, Nehemiah wrote that it was the month of Chislev, the month of Chislev is like the month of November or December, around that time period. And then so if you look in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, During the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Arcta Xerxes, when wine was set before him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had never been sad in his presence. So the king said to me, Why are you sad? When you aren't sick, this is nothing but sadness of heart. The king noticed that he had been burdened, and the king noticed that he wanted something. Now, I I want to just make a point here. It was King Artaxerxes that told the people to stop building the wall in the first place. In Ezra chapter 4, verse 21. It was also King Artaxerxes known for killing people when they would become sad in the presence of the king. So he's a little afraid to even be honest in front of the king. But what I want you to see there is when he says during the month of Nisan, Chislev to Nisan is like going from November to April. That's... Months of waiting. And so here he is, if you were to look back in verse 11, he says, I want success today. But God waited five months for his moment to happen. I have a vision today. But God waited five months for this vision to come reality. What happens when God puts you in the waiting room? When you have to wait, when God gives you months and months and months of time before it happens, and yet the burden is still strong, the vision is still clear, the desire is still real. Months of waiting. Second Peter chapter three, says that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. (laughs) So it says about God's character, God isn't slow. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? God's character is not slow. God also is not fast both of which are true of him. So if God is not slow and God is not fast, who is God? God is on time. And if anyone in our relationship with God is off of time, it's me. But he's on time. And so God, in his infinite wisdom, can give you a clarified vision and yet have months of waiting before he brings it to fruition. And all the while you say, where are you? He is still on time. And if I could just encourage so many of you, so many of you have great desires that you feel are godly desires things you're sure God gave you, and you know it's a good thing. This is a good thing, God. Why would you not want me to have this today? (laughs) He's given you a good desire and, and good plans and a good mental picture in your mind. Why not now? Why not today? Well, we are going to meter out the very things that God does while we're in the waiting room. But the one thing we have to keep in mind, that when we're waiting, waiting, waiting on the resources, waiting on being released, waiting for our moment, God is not late. God is on time. When I was, when I was growing up, um, you know, now we have these fancy smancy worship songs, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, but when I was growing up, songs were just kind of simple. You know, and uh, I grew up. I grew up in a church, uh, Mount Lebanon Baptist Church. I grew up in a church called Mount Lebanon Baptist Church, and uh, that's right, that's right. And uh, they would have that melodious. Give me that little tune, that little tune there. You know, yeah. They give you that little tune. They get it going. You know, in the church, and they get moving. And uh, they would just sing a song real slow. So, won't you just rock with me? Just rock this a little bit. Just rock with it. And they say, they say, they say, He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. Mm. Sing it with me. Sing it with me. Sing it with me. Come on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But. what you say? One more time so it gets in your spirit. Yes, he is. Hold up, hold up, come on. Come on, bring it now. On time, God. Yes. Yes, he is. Wait a minute now. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. And on time, God. Yes, he is. Isn't that true? Hallelujah. (laughs) You know, the reason why those songs were so simple and so easy, it was meant to be memorable. When you're tapping your time, watch to God. You know you're supposed to be here, right? But if anyone is late in our relationship, it's me. God is on time. So... The reason why that is so important is because when you trust the character of God in the waiting room, you become expectant for him to move. You trust that his sovereign hand will do something great. In the next next few verses, we see what Nehemiah looks at. It says in verse 2 and 3, as she's before the king, knowing he could get killed just simply by looking at the king wrong. It says in Nehemiah chapter two and verse three and verse two and three, "I was overwhelmed with fear and replied to the king, "May the king live forever?" He's trembling in fear. Why shouldn't I not be sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. I'm burdened, king, and I'm sad before you, and I cannot pretend, even though this could be my life, even though I'm laying everything on the line, I'm burdened, king, and I must be honest with you. In the next two verses, verse 4 and 5, the king asked me, what is your Request. What do you want? He's got a blank check and he can just fill it out. What do you want? You know, this is not my sermon and I'll just give this as a commercial break, but oftentimes people will have a great burden And yet, I'll ask them, if you had a blank check and all the resources in the world, what would you do? Mm. And when you say, I don't know, you're not ready. What is your request? The king, who has all the resources, is giving him a a clear opportunity for a specific request. And you know what? Nehemiah is ready. He's ready. He's ready and he responds. Verse four and five, it says, so, got a little nervous, because earlier it said he was afraid. He's still afraid, he's not sure of what to say, so he says, I prayed to the God of the heavens and answered the king. He did both simultaneously, isn't that awesome? He threw up this prayer, even though he's before this king. And if anything he prayed, he prayed against fear so that he would not be overwhelmed by the presence of the king, not intimidated by the reverence for the king, but more so revering his true king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor with you, send me to Judah and to the city where my ancestors are buried so that I may rebuild it. All he is simply asking as a slave and one who is underneath the king as a cupbearer is release me so I can go do the work. Set me free so I can rebuild the walls. And in verse six, the king with the queen seated beside him asked me, how long will your journey take? And when will you return? So I gave him a definitive time, and it pleased the king to send me. Case closed. Request, asked for, and a definitive specific answer is given. I want to leave. I'll come back after I'm done. But something happened. After he says this definitive time, and after he is released, I wonder if there was a moment where the king was still staring at him. The king created this atmosphere where Nehemiah was confident enough to ask for more. And there is this unique moment that gets created. After verse six. It says, "I also said." to the king if it pleases the king let me have letters written to the governors of the region west of the euphrates river so that i will grant me safe passage until i reach judah look at you nehemiah ain't nobody ask you all that only thing he asked is what was your request and give me a definitive time and then case closed that's a conversation But he not only asked to be released, he asked for the resources to do the work. He says, if it pleases the king, give me letters so I can write them, so I can get over to Judah. It was 400 miles to be able to get into Jerusalem from Persia where they were. And so he knew he would need a way, an entryway for safe journey. So he said, I also said, This brother is crazy. Look at the next verse. He says, and and let me have a letter written to Asaph, keeper of the king's forest, so that he'll give me timber to rebuild the gates of the temple fortress, the city wall, and the home where I will live. Look at Nehemiah. This brother said, while I'm here, while I'm shooting my shot, let me go and... I need to be released, bet. And by the way, I need, um, I need to save travel, so get, write some letters for me, cool. Well, why don't you give me the timber to build the wall, bet? Build me a house while you're at it. <laughs> Is he crazy? What's wrong with Nehemiah? This man could kill him. Why, why does he keep asking stuff? Why does he keep requesting more? What got inside of him to say and, and also a a wall and a house? What got into this boy? Well, I think we're given a little bit of a hint. You see, he said, the king granted my, plural, requests. For the gracious hand of my God was on me. Hard to be intimidated by that king when the king of glory's hand is on your life. When you're intimidated, always realize intimidation is merely reverence that's misplaced. He wasn't intimidated by the king because the hand of God was on him. And so he kept asking and and also and I'll also hook my house up. go back to that verse above where it said that the hand of god was on him church saints people of god the initial prayer request he had was for success and i know so many of you want to be successful don't you So many of you are thinking of ways so that you can make an impact on this world. So many of you have a vision and a clear burden, and you've said it should not be this way. You're saying, God, choose me. I wanna change things. I want things to happen in this world, and I want you to use me. And I think I have an idea, and I think I could do a business, and I think I could start up something, and I think I really could change. I really think I could do something powerful. But the problem is, When you walk into opportunity, you say things like, the king granted me my request for my network was crazy and I knew a lot of people. You say things like, the king granted my request because my education was tight and people knew my brand. But he says, the king granted me my request because the gracious hand of God was on me. Do all the work you can, but just make sure Jesus is in your network what he says here it's god's hand is on my life i told you the other week we asked for two hundred thousand dollars to an organization for our building and as i was asking for that you know i i got into this conversation and i said you know i'd love for it where i we could have a co-working space there in Flatbush so that when people are able to come into our church during the week, maybe people that are entrepreneurs and others, maybe they could come in and and use it as a co-working space because a lot of people don't have offices in the city. Well, I just kind of said that to one of my friends while I was in Atlanta. And while he was talking the other day, he, he hit me up and he says, yeah, I talked to the president of this organization And we're trying to funnel money in so you can do your co-working space. And I thought about it. And I was like, you know, I didn't even give him a great plan. I was kind of drumming up ideas. I wasn't trying to just network. But I've decided I want to do something great for God. I want people to experience God's pleasure and his favor. And I believe Where God guides, he provides. And he gives resources for people that are wanting to simply do something that will bless and honor him. But let me tell you this. I believe God will do even more than I'm imagining now for that building. I believe my plan is minuscule. If you were to jump down to verse nine, do we have verse nine up there? If we were to jump down to verse nine, I don't think we have it up there. They, they continue on, and they say that the king sent with him a calvary so that wherever he would go, he'd be protected. He gave him something Nehemiah didn't even ask for. And when you just simply walk with God, he will overflow your life with more than you can possibly stand. And I'm not talking about money. I'm not necessarily talking about all the resources in the world. But I am saying that he will give you enough resources for you to be able to fulfill the plans that you have on your heart when you are doing those things for his glory. The Lord grants him more than he could imagine. What does it mean to have great plans before God? What does it mean to wait on God? I never thought I would plant a church I have friends that are church planters, and they, they're really smart people, you know. I graduated high school with a 1.7, 1.7. 7. I did, I don't know how I graduated. They had, there was 250 people in my class, I was 248. And all the guys that I had seen planting a church had ma- not only a, the master's degree, they were the top of their class. And they were just great, they were just these people. They, they, when they were talking about their church plant, they had like pie charts and graphs and square roots of Jesus and all this stuff. And I was just like, <laughs> I'm up there telling stories, cracking jokes. I'm like, "So there was two guys walking a bar, and, but I want to plant a church in Brooklyn." And so you know I don't like, how do I get here? How did I get here? And I've always felt unequipped. I've always felt like I don't have the skills. I've always felt like, man, I really don't have the kind of ingenuity and I don't have the, the 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 background. I mean, sometimes when I'm helping my daughters with their homework, I'm like, I really missed out on a lot. <laughs> Maybe basic stuff. Go to Genesis real quick. It says about Noah what do we know about Noah, right? We don't know nothing else except the brother built an ark, right? (laughs) They're like, Noah built an ark. But there's something more powerful about Noah. In Genesis chapter six, verse nine, it says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his contemporaries, and Noah walked with God. And then when you jump to the next verses, you hear about these wonderful plans that God gave Noah. In verse 14, he says, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it with pitch inside and outside. This is how you're to make it. And he gives him the specific plan. The ark will be 450 feet long and 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. And he gives him all these details. Noah is not an architect. Noah is not skilled. Noah walked with God. And it was walking with God first. And then he gave him the plan. While you are waiting on God, we are called to worship him and walk with him. And when you are in the waiting room, who you truly worship gets exposed. You see, Noah simply wanted to be with God. And God gave him a vision. Nehemiah wanted to do something great for God. And God gave him a vision. And when we are having these time gaps, God, God, God is the one we worship. Oh, I did a marriage retreat this weekend. It was great. I mean, I led it, so I thought it was great. I think they thought it was great, too. (laughs) But I thought about it, and I was like, man, I got all these single people at my church. And I was like, man, I can't wait till, you know, I do a marriage retreat for them, and everybody's married. And and I just paused for a second. And I said to myself, Lord, let me stop pretending that marriage is some king. Let me just stop acting like these people didn't come to this retreat because they weren't struggling. They're in here because marriage is difficult. And while you are single, you are waiting. And you are waiting on something great. Marriage is a very, very good thing. Praise God, bless it. But if you can't worship while you wait, you do have a different king. When you bow your life before certain things, you say, God, I got to have it. I got to have this now. I got to have this now. It's got to be now. It's got to be now. And you can't wait. It tells the true story of your heart. And while you're waiting, you need to do your research. Not just for those who are single, but if you have a plan, you do your research. Did you notice he... He knew that Asaph was the one who was over the timber. He knew the exact route that he had to go in order to get to Jerusalem. He knew all those things because when he had his opportunity, he knew specifically, he knew the details. He had all the clarity in the world. All the clarity in the world. And so many of us, God has you in a waiting room and you have a desire but you ain't doing no research. You're not sure what it takes to get your dream done. If you want to be a dreamer, keep talking about what you want to do, but if you want to be a leader, make a plan. Make a plan. Make a plan. Bridge Church was flourishing when we had three people because I knew what it would be like to have 200 and 300. I dreamed of a full room. I saw it already. And I thought to myself, the first thing I'm going to need are leaders. You see, when you have a great plan, when God gives you a great vision, begin with the end in mind. Nehemiah said, oh, man, if I'm going to build these walls, I'm going to, I'm going to need timber. Yeah, I'm going to need timber because... I'm envisioning what it's gonna look like and I'm gonna need some wood. So I'm uh, probably gonna need some timber up. Who's, who's, the, who's over the, the fort ASAP, okay, look bet. And then I'm gonna need a place to stay. Maybe I can get timber so I can get a house too. How am I gonna get there? Oh, I'll probably need letters to get to the route that I need to go. And as he saw his vision, he works backwards in order to see fruition. In the same way, when we started this church, I thought to myself, how will I make this happen? And the first thing I did was I focused on leaders because I refused to be the pastor that everyone was excited about. But I disappointed everybody because I didn't have the time or the energy. So I decided I will equip leaders along with me. So I remember when we had 30 people and and there would be people that say, hey, I want to get time with you. And I couldn't because I had to appoint another leader. I had to equip another leader because I saw the church growing before it was growing. So I had to do things in the time now. I had to do things in time now so that the future, I'd be ready for the future. When we were 30, I was dreaming of 300. And I was equipping the church for that kind of vision. And so because of that, because I spent time pouring into leaders, yes, I appointed great leaders, but I disappointed a lot of people too. I pray that God give you great plans. I pray you worship him well while you're waiting. But I pray that you would dream deeply and write down what the plan is. Write down what God has given you. Think of all the dreams in this room. Think of all the inspiration in this room. Think of all the beautiful things you can do for God in this room. But you've got to start constructing plans. And then God's going to give you an opportunity one day to shoot your shot. He's going to give you an interview one day to get that job. He's going to give you an opportunity, a platform. He's going to give you a moment. Will you be intimidated? Will you be intimidated? Is the platform too big for you? Is the stage too big for you? Is the moment too big? Friends, there is no moment too big when your heart is fixed on God. I envision big plans and great things. Even if you're behind the scenes, I see God doing great things. But you will never fulfill the plans of God if you live in fear and if you don't begin to plan today. Father, I ask you, even now, Jesus, while we wait on you, God, while we're in this moment Figuring out, what what are you doing with me right now, God? Where am I supposed to be right now? Dear Heavenly Father, clarify our minds. Clear out all that's in our head, God. Help us to write down those plans that you have for us. Help us to see the success we have. But if we become overwhelmed or afraid, God, bring us back to a heart of worshiping you. Help us to just walk with you. Father, make worshiping you enough. Let worshiping you be enough. Walking with you be enough. And we will give you all the glory if we get our great opportunity because of some earthly king we'll give that king praise if we get our platform because of who we know we'll give our network praise you deserve all the praise God and we will give you all the glory God so we lift our plans to you God we lift our dreams to you God We lift our visions to you, God. We just lay them at your feet. Before you give me this great plan, give me you. Give me you. And I pray that you are enough. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. We'd love to hear how God used this sermon to speak to you. Please take a minute to email us your story. Our email address is info at bridgechurchnyc.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using bridgechurchnyc or visit our website, bridgechurchnyc.com. Thanks again for listening to this week's message.